Hey, good morning, friends. Skip here. 5.20 a.m., February 14th. It's a Wednesday. Valentine's Day. Uh, I'm trying to uh, get my podcast done a little earlier. Uh, My family, most of my family, is going uh, to watch... State Wrestling Championship today. Our little community sent several wrestlers up to Des Moines, which is the closest large metropolitan city uh, here where we live. And uh, my my middle son is a senior in high school, so we have lots of friends who are participating in championship wrestling. So my my wife and my oldest son and my youngest son are all going up. So they're going to get up here pretty soon. So I figured I better get my podcast done a little earlier. So I do wish you a happy Valentine's Day. And um, let's, let's get to our topic. What I want to do right now is it's time again to to do a little refresher or maybe even even better yet to, to take another sort of angle or another look a different kind of look at what finding meaning is now I do this often because it's important for me to have a podcast where people can jump in at any at any episode and, and get something and, and get the gist of what I'm talking about. Uh, I was uh, talking with a dear friend of mine who listens to the podcast, and he said it was one of the good things about this podcast is that uh, people can jump in. People can just get in where they are at and um, understand what's being said or reject what's being said for that matter. So... So we're going to take another another look at what finding meaning, the core essence of finding meaning, is about. So bear with me. I've got I've got the puppy on my lap. It's pretty early, and uh, let, let's go. So you and I, every human being you'll see today, every human being you've ever encountered in your life, every human being I've encountered in my life. We are all products of a way of being human that has been agreed upon since, you know, certainly since the, since the Enlightenment, but really always. We have always agreed upon what it means at that moment to be human. And when I mention the Enlightenment and kind of Western critical philosophical thinking, uh, the reason I say, especially since then, is because a lot of the notions we have about what it means to be human come from, from that moment in time when we sort of agreed philosophically what it means to be human. You know what? Things like Descartes, I think, therefore I am. 
those sorts of things were really noble attempts to understand what it means to be human. But they were noble attempts within the context of religion, of politics, of the ways of the world. So we have spent thousands, thousands of years living out of agreed-upon arrangements, agreed-upon realities about what it means for us to be human. Let me give you a couple examples. We have agreed, at least in my country, but in just about every country, what it means to govern, what it means to practice politics. Mostly in my country, we have you know, a two-party system. Uh, we have a representative democracy. And that's the way it's always been, as long as I can remember. Take, for instance, religion. Now, we do have diverse religions, but we have all agreed that religion is really about what you believe and the variations therein. Let's take, for instance, Christianity. Uh, there are, <clears throat> there's a spectrum of beliefs in Christianity, but really even the most sort of liberal and open sort of Christian belief still holds within it the idea that Jesus was the Son of God and somehow the redemption of the self comes through him. It's sort of standard, agreed-upon models of what Christian religion is about. And other religions are the same. In Islam, you must adhere to the fact that Muhammad was the, the prophet, etc., etc., Economics. We agree on economics that are hierarchical and linear. In other words, we agree, at least subconsciously, on economics in my country and maybe in yours, probably in yours too, that economics is about people gaining wealth, it's about s social stability. Uh, and in order for any of those things to happen, we have also agreed that in politics there must be losers and winners. In religion there must be losers and winners. In economics there must be losers and winners. So really deep down, really deep down, that's what we've agreed upon. We've agreed upon a way of approaching reality that is transactional, that is competitive, and that is dualistic. There must be someone who wins, must be someone who loses. And that sounds reasonable to our minds, right? Because that's the way we're trained. That's the way we're programmed to exist in our society. In order for someone to win politically, 
There must be a group of people that back that person that outnumber the others, at least in a representative democracy. In order for someone to be wealthy, there must be something to compare that to. So there must be people who have less. You know, in order for a religion to be right, that means there must be other people who are wrong. Okay? That's the way. Those are just three things. I could talk about other things. But that's three sort of core human issues where we have set up a reality and have set it up so deeply that it seems natural to us where competition and transaction are actually how we function. Now you might be saying to yourself, so what? You might be saying to yourself, well, that's just the way it is. So I want us to take a pause, take a beat here, and I want us to look at the world. How dysfunctional is our world? And I think by any objective measure, by any objective metric, one has to admit, especially right now, but I think you can look over history, that how we have functioned as humans has not resolved the great human and social dilemmas such as war and poverty, prejudice. Uh, it just hasn't. As a matter of fact, I think there's an argument to be made that those things have indeed grown worse. Or they have at least been exposed in ways that they weren't before. So now I want us to take those ideas of transactional, dualistic comparison, the way we have created reality, and look at the reality that's perpetuated by those things. And I think it's more than safe to say that there's a cause and effect, that how we have approached reality through comparison, through dualism, <coughs> through transactionalism, through uh, this idea of right and wrong, this idea of my political party's right, yours is wrong, my religion's right, yours is wrong, my, you know, me getting my money is more important than you getting anything, those sorts of mindsets are really what perpetuate the things that I talked about, like prejudice, poverty, hatred, war, uh, classism, religious classism. And because we approach reality that way, it necessarily, in order for us to function, we believe, sets us up in opposition, in juxtaposition, in competition with each other. What I'm saying in Finding Meaning is that is a false idea and a false narrative to what it really means to be human.
And if you want to know what the matrix is, Maya illusion, at least for me and for finding meaning, that's what it is. This notion that to be human has to be done so in a way that's about being against things, uh, transactional sort of behavior. In other words, you know, you can only be truly human if you believe in Jesus or believe in the Quran or believe in Buddha or whatever. This sort of transactional, selfish, dualistic nature of being human that really pervades all of humanity is in fact the false reality. And the reason we live in a false reality is because we learn individually a sense of self that is false. We are taught almost instantly, and I, you know, folks, I've told you I'm a substitute teacher, and right now I'm spending time in kindergarten classes. These kids are five, and they are fully, fully in, fully bought into selfishness and transactionalism. Uh, They have their own cliques. They have their own prejudices. And it would be easy to say, oh, that's just the way it is. That's just the way humans are. How convenient is that, right? Then we really don't have to do anything. We can just say that's the way it is, knock the dust off our feet, you know, wipe the dirt off our hands and go about our business. I contend that there is a more authentic way to live as a human being. And this is not new. I see it in a lot of the great spiritual thinkers of humanity. The idea that there is a more authentic person that we can be that is about more than those transactions, more than those prejudices, more than the wars we fight. That there is a way we can be human, both individually and collectively, that is more unified, is more authentic, is more true. However, that being that is authentic is buried under the conditioning that I've just spent 13 minutes talking about. Our authentic being is buried under our notions, our programming, our ideas of what's right and wrong. And I think it's, it's a pretty obvious thing to see. You talk to someone who belongs to the Ku Klux Klan, and they're convinced they're right. And the reason they're convinced they're right is because that's how they've been programmed to believe. It's an extreme example, but we all suffer from that same thing. You talk to a fundamentalist Christian and they're convinced they're right because that's how they have been programmed. Their brains have been programmed. Their their psyches have been programmed to believe in these certain things. 
What I'm saying is that if we can live out of a greater sense of love, a greater sense of unity, a greater sense of kindness, a greater sense of generosity, that's who we truly are. And that's what this podcast is about. It's about getting through the cultural conditioning, through the familial conditioning, through the religious conditioning, through the philosophical conditioning that keeps us from who we truly are. That's where we find our meaning. We find it in that deep place of authenticity. So it's not really about becoming someone different. It's about rediscovering our own authenticity. Past the things we've learned from people who had good intentions, but wrong information. You know, I, I don't want this to sound judgmental. People taught us what they taught us because that's what they knew. I'm saying there's something more. Anyway, there you have it. There you have it, my friends. I hope things are well with you. Take good care. And uh, I will uh, talk to you tomorrow morning. Bye-bye.